Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net, and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to now hear this entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. In addition to what's listed there, the show is also on the likes of Overcast, Himalaya, Podcoin, Player FM, and more. Joining me today on location at the Summer NAM Show in Nashville, my guest is a guitarist, songwriter, and acoustic live looping artist from Australia. In 2015, he became the only Australian artist to ever win top honors at the International Acoustic Music Awards, and the following year he and his family moved here to Nashville. Between multiple headliner performances at festivals and touring, he is rumored to be one of the busiest musicians in Nashville. He is becoming well-known by his signature, Dreads and Red Glasses. You've been hearing a song of his called Crayon Days. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Carl Wachner. Thanks, Bruce. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Good to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for making time for this. Absolutely. So tell the listeners about that song of yours that we were just playing that I was rudely talking over called right. Crayon Days. That's all right. I'm glad you are playing it. Um, yeah, Crayon Days. Um, it's off my first ever album that I ever recorded, and believe it or not, one of the first songs I ever wrote over here in Nashville. So um, I've written a lot of songs. Uh, it was the first trip that I ever came over here in, I think it was around 2011, 2012. End of 2011. It's not important. It's a long time ago. <laughs> and I came over and at that time, uh, my wife was pregnant. Uh, we were expecting our first baby. And I've got two kids now, six and four. And uh, yeah, it was kind of, the long story short of that song is I'd already experienced uh, a, a life cycle of a crayon ownership i guess in in the sense of when you're a child you, you color in with crayons and then you forget about it until you're a grown adult and it kind of hits you from left field you're an adult now and your friends have kids or you have kids you find yourself a grown adult sitting on on the floor cross-legged coloring one half of the page and then you look in your hand and there's a crayon and it's kind of weird how it's all come back around in a whole other way and you don't expect it and so that's what the song's about it's really close to me because you know, it's about my kids. So. What a cool concept because I'm always fascinated when you can meet the songwriter who comes up with something truly different because, let's face it, it's really hard to come up with a song that hasn't been done before, a song concept. Oh, yeah. And that's a good <laughs> view to have of, as you said, it's, everything comes full circle from your childhood. So I love the way that you encapsulated all that in a very catchy title also. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in listening to Crayon Days and another song of yours called Lullaby, it brings up the question, to what extent have your children inspired your songwriting? And, and also, by the way, in the video for Crayon Days, is that one of your children that we see coloring? Yeah. Yeah, that's my daughter, Goldie. She was, I think she was two or three in that video. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly enough, I released the video clip a long time after we recorded it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In, uh, I guess my kids um, have probably consumed 90% of direct or indirect uh, influence in my songwriting wow. uh, in terms of 
uh, either directly with Crayon Days and Lullaby. Actually, I wrote that song um, specifically as a lullaby. I couldn't think of a better name for it. But uh, when my son was um, uh, was on his way to the world, uh, my wife was pregnant, and I was yet on another trip over here in Nashville songwriting, and I wanted to write a song. Uh, he he was pretty far along. She was, uh, I think, eight months pregnant at the time that I was over here, so I had to get back really quickly. Uh, it was a quick trip, and I wanted to write a song that she could hold her phone up to her belly and um, play him a lullaby oh. every night while I was away for the for the week that I was away. And so that song became the lullaby, and I had to include that on uh, on an EP that I launched over here. But uh, there's those songs that are directly influenced by my kids because I just I feel anybody who has kids or, or is around them can attest they're they're the light of the world, you know, and it's a love like no other. But indirectly, uh, and I never thought I'd say this until after I've had kids or, or, or been around the world, but uh, they have indirectly influenced my um, songwriting in terms of. Um, me wanting to show that all is not lost <laughs> in the world. You know, some people uh, have really bad days and bad years and, and all that sort of stuff, and they get really down and, you know, uh, the black dog and, and um, depression and, and all kinds of uh, mental illnesses are becoming more and more prevalent in the world. And uh, it's more important to say and show that there's good stuff going on here too. You know, it's not just the bad and there's and it'll even itself out and work itself out in the end. And I feel like for me... Um, kids remind me that there's a reason to dig in and there's a reason to hold on and there's a reason to um, to always be pushing your passions forward and not you know pushing them down rising them up so um, so I mean that's the reason that we're here I guess weirdly enough ironically enough if I didn't have kids and the support of my family and my wife uh, in Australia I probably wouldn't be here in Nashville, you know, whereas a lot of people would think, oh, you haven't got the, the baggage of a family. You can go wherever you yeah, want. Whereas, yeah. ironically, the baggage, uh, which is fantastic, of my family is the reason that brought me here to, That's right. to follow through on the passions and, and success of my dreams. So I'm working on it. Well, you also said something that got my wheels turning in that, you know, when you are having those bad times, bad year, bad whatever period of time, as a songwriter the natural inclination is to let that out through writing a song that is probably going to come out pretty angry or pretty, wow, this person is really not in a good place. But we always hear about how music can be so therapeutic. You would almost say that as a songwriter, you should challenge yourself to say, wait a minute, as much as I might feel like that's my way of getting it out, I can put myself in a better place by writing happy, positive songs and write with major chords and not... Yep. continue to perpetuate this woe is me things are bad and i'm going to tell all of you how bad things are yeah are you agreeing with me on that feel free yeah. to disagree because i understand it's a form of expression but at the same time you can control your thoughts and how the trajectory is going to go if yeah. all of a sudden you say i'm going to life is giving me lemons i'm going to make lemonade i'm going to write happy positive songs yep no i mean i i agree i, I believe it's actually kind of a double-edged sword in in the sense of you know when you're having a bad day for example you know you you want to feel bad you want to have your bad day you want to be grumpy and you're entitled to that you know you should slump on the couch and eat all the crappy food that you want to eat and (laughs) frown at everybody and and whatever but you know um and and i'd i'd bet you uh you know a 10 high fives that (laughs) that if uh you know you were having a bad day and somebody came up all smiles and cheery and chirpy, you wouldn't want to talk to them. You'd want them to get out, you know. But then at a certain point, you would want 
somebody coming in with happy and chirpy smiles going on you know so i feel like songwriting uh and listening to music is amazingly subjective like that you know uh i feel like uh for me sometimes when i'm in the dumps and feeling crappy i want to hear a song that i resonate with how they're feeling you know i want to hear some kind of not a not a depressing song but maybe you know a a song that's not so positive yeah you know that's like i'm feeling Bad. Little, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, edgy. I'm, I'm feeling my feelings right now, kind of song, yeah. and so I go, "Good, me too." You know, <laughs> we can relate, sort of thing. Uh, so there's that that side of the sword, and then there's the other side, like what you were saying. Also, is sometimes you know an uplifting song can bring you out of that, uh, and I and I feel like for a lot of us, uh, we can either tap into it and acknowledge that we're feeling the same, and then also be brought out of it by another song that might might be potentially happy. So. Um, I think especially with social media is like an extension on a creativity side of things. It's too easy to uh, scroll through and see all of these happy thoughts which drive you crazy because you might be having a rough day and you're like, why is everybody living the best life? You know, but it's uh, it's only the best cherry-picked moments right. that they're actually right. sharing. So I feel like the realist, um, you know, is not everybody always feels incredible. So I feel like sometimes uh, writing a writing a not depressing song but a less than positive song is sometimes a good outlet and people can relate to it well and i'm going to go way off on a tangent here but since there's this resurgence of vinyl i think back to i grew up listening to a lot of the electric light orchestra and they had a rare double studio album called out of the blue and so nowadays somebody would be wise to put out a double studio album and have one album be entirely oh yeah sad angry depressed songs and one album be entirely happy cheery positive songs yep that's fantastic or i mean i guess you could side a side b yeah you know it could be it could be a small a a smaller less expensive (laughs) option than that but man uh yeah i feel like actually there's there's a soothing factor i think also with the physical vinyl actually yeah. listening to a record you know i yeah. feel like i like physically pulling it out and putting it down and you know i stare at it like i'm watching a fire it's really therapeutic <laughs> it's nice listeners you're starting to hear carl talk a lot about his time in australia and coming over here he is actually not the first australian guest in fact australia i see you thank you a lot of you listening from australia especially on soundcloud although this show is obviously available on a lot of different platforms. But as recently as episode 271, Chelsea Giles checked in from Australia. Episode 254, The Hots, uh, they are now living in California. And then episode 189, William Crichton, he does still live in Australia. But strangely, we recorded that interview here in Nashville. So Carl is just the latest Australian to be on the show, although, like I said, he is now living here in Nashville, which you moved to the U.S. three years ago. Yeah. Um, how long in the making was that though? And then how has it worked out so far? Yeah. So, uh, it's been a, like, like everybody's got their journey, <laughs> you know, it's been a rough one for me. Uh, and, but yeah, probably, uh, let's say, I want to say maybe five years ago, uh, I'll, I'll probably since 2012, I've been back and forth, um, from Australia to Nashville and I was songwriting and recording and, and all of the above, and um, and when every time I noticed I came over here to the U.S., uh, things would spark up, the fire would reignite, and uh, internally uh, for me as an inspiration thing, and then also externally with my music and connections and, and that sort of thing, labels and, uh, and and industry personnel and community. So that was really cool, and it's difficult to keep a fire ignited from a different country. So I I made sure I I, I tried to 
come back as often as I could. Uh, and we had a, a, a circumstance that I was actually signing with a new label uh, that was being launched at the time. So we were right at the point of looking for accommodation and where we're going to live. And obviously Nashville was the spot um, where we were planning on headed. And then uh, right up, you know, like a lot of stories, right up until the last second, uh, everything was going ahead and this whole thing was drawn out. And then the label fizzled. I think a couple of investors pulled out from the gold the, uh, the gold slump or something in Texas. And wow. and, uh, and so anyway, that all fell through. And and, uh, and shortly after that, we just decided, my wife actually brought it up and that's why she's absolutely my rock. But uh, she said, you know what, we let's just go. What, you know, and it was... Seriously, it was a five-minute conversation. It was a, really? Should we do this? Okay, let's do this. Wow. Why not? Wow. We had, we had uh, uh, um, my, my first um, uh, child was uh, alive, Goldie, and she was probably one, I think. Uh, and we started to uh, make the plans and say, okay, well, 12 months from now. <laughs> and so that, uh, I can't remember exactly where that was, but that was, yeah, three, uh, four years ago, essentially. Uh, so we moved in the middle of the year. Uh, we got into Nashville on the 5th of July and everybody was hungover. And, uh, and the, there was still smoke in the air from the fireworks the night before. And, um, and yeah, the rest is kind of history. I, I feel I kind of describe Australia as, um, I mean, it's the same size country as the U.S., but there's 20 million people versus 330 million people here in the U.S. So um, it's kind of like a small town in a good way and, and sometimes in a challenging way because uh, we tend to in australia we tend to get a lot of external music um integration so we're heavily influenced by the uk the us you know all the, all the major contributors and the major labels and major radio so um me as a um, i guess some of my earlier recordings is more singer songwriter americana um kind of acoustic uh sort of thing whereas my newer stuff um is absolutely pop you know acoustic pop and and in Australia, the, the formats are a little different and it's difficult to find my spot there, so to speak, on a radio perspective or a format perspective. But here through sheer numbers, it's kind of, it, it, I sort of, uh, I've found my place musically, so to speak, and then I can, uh, I can make the connection between here and Australia for my music in Australia. But over there, uh, locally on a, on a local level for my pop music, uh, I'm competing with Ed Sheeran and Bruno yeah, Mars. Yeah who are you know coming from a fierce but god bless you though that you described that situation where here you're going to be signed to this new label and you're already planning a move and all of a sudden at the 11th hour yeah it goes under and so that had to be devastating because you are talking about moving halfway across the world yeah. and all of a sudden uh no we're not because the label went under and so to rally around that and like you said it sounds like the real credit goes to your wife but to say well, it's not going to happen, and it is not a good time. Yeah, but we're going to do it anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what? I I saw a quote the other day, and I I'm not going to try and remember what it is, but the gist of it was uh, the music. I mean, we're talking about we're talking to musicians and and four musicians and uh, and the musical community here, which is great. So a little message that I'd want to share, which has helped me along, is musicians get rejected. It's like going for a job interview every single day of your life and you get rejected every single one except for maybe 10 <laughs> in your whole life. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and luckily, you know, for some people, it's early on in the interview process that they, that they get a good one uh, and they get hired. Uh, and some people, it's going to take a long time. But, you know, we're used to dealing with 
it's frustrating but you know as musicians um, for me personally I'm used to dealing with rejection I know it's kind of weird to say that but it's it's good to acknowledge it you know I mean most of the people that you meet you're not going to work with and they're not going to be valid but they're trying to you know or they're not going to be the right fit for you or whatever it is but that's just because it's a massive industry there's a lot of people and there's a lot of creatives uh, working in it but I feel like the real challenge is um, and I'm going to sound kind of corny here but you know really trying to hold on to what you represent and what you want to say and what you want to achieve and what you want to do you know your, your end goal I mean everybody says they want to go out and make music it's like well that's great but um, you can do that in your bedroom you don't have to be a musician full time to do that that's you right. can make music in your bedroom if it's not about the money if it's truly not about the money then buy a you know get logic or pro tools on your macbook pro and make some music and be happy you yeah, know what i mean yeah. whereas if you have a message that you want to deliver or you got something you want to say then that's a different story that's you know right. and i feel like it's um you know a testament to how long you can hold on to that pull up bar before you let go you know and hopefully uh you've got really good stamina or or, or you're working hard at it to be able to make something happen before yeah and you know. you're preaching to the choir here i love what, what you're saying i'm with you 100 percent of the way because you know listeners i don't really talk about it enough but i'm in the same boat you know this this show for me is i'm i'm the podcast version of what you and all my guests are doing is i've been at this for five and a half years and this is episode 288 and so i do love what i'm doing but if I just loved it because I like talking about music, then I don't really need to put it out as a podcast. But all those no's, I talk about it because I live that. You know, yeah. I'm trying to get listeners all the time. I'm trying to get sponsors. I'm trying to get guests. Sometimes guests won't answer you back or they'll say no. And so I know about getting those no's in yeah. addition to working with the musicians themselves and seeing them get the no's all the time. And you know, trying to do something like the Patreon for the show or, like I said before, trying to get sponsors, we're all in that same boat. It's a matter of drawing that line and saying, okay, how committed are you to it truly? And do you have the stamina to go at it for five and a half years or to make a career in music? And I think that's sort of what, I don't want to say separates the men from the boys, but makes it, okay, are you just doing this because you love it? In which case, like you said, well, just make it in your bedroom and yeah. play it for your family and friends or realize it's a business there's going to be no's but you got to overcome those no's oh yeah i do see that you are looking for venues for a december trip to the east coast of australia so is that a family trip is that you're just looking to go and, and continue to keep your your music connections over there and then also by the way for the listeners in australia how can they get a hold of you if they do have ideas for venues or if they want to host a house concert yeah absolutely so um what i try and do every time i get back to australia which is usually once a year um usually around christmas time uh because the u.s kind of shuts down after thanksgiving <laughs> and wakes back up mid-january uh and in australia that's in the middle of summer um and that's a good opportunity for for me to take my family back and see okay. see uh, our family okay. in australia so um so i do uh i, I try and tee up that uh, being a tour in Australia and I usually play ticketed shows and, and that sort of stuff and in between the ticketed shows um, one of my favourite things to do one of my favourite gigs to do of all time is house concerts I, it's awesome. such an intimate thing it can be six people which it has been or it can be 200 people in somebody's backyard but the cool thing about it is a house show um, I can play 
songs that I wouldn't otherwise play. At a ticketed show, an actual performance, you know, I play my music and the occasional couple of mashup covers, which is sort of what I do as well. Um, and, and it's a show and it's, I like to think it's a good show, you know, and I work hard at it and I put on a good show. Um, but the house concerts are a different show. And there, and I do a lot of songwriting here in Nashville as well, and uh, for me and for other artists, and and so there's songs like uh, some some true hard on your sleeve Nashville country songs that I've written that I wouldn't play in my ticketed show because they're not my songs, they're not for me, they're for somebody else. But I really like the song, and so I'm able to tell a story, uh, and obviously make them you know mention that fact that this isn't my song, but I'd like to play it for you guys because I just I like it and I want to share it. So um, I believe a house concert or like a bluebird moment, so to speak, is, is that perfect time that I can just, I can jam or I can mash somebody's birthday into a song or I can, <laughs> you know, I can, I can do some kind of random request mashup or something. And, and it's just a, it's a very off the cuff, do whatever you want to do kind of performance on the fly, you know, which is, is super handy. So uh, the, you're talking about the Australian shows. Um, what I try and do before I go every time is reach out um, with a specific date range for a region uh, and try and get try and tee up some of those house shows, and specifically the post um, that you're referring to as well. Is it's been a while. Uh, I've got I've got a lot of places that I repeat business <laughs> back to for ticketed shows, but it's been a while since I've played between uh, sort of uh, New South on the coastline of New South Wales and Victoria um, down in Australia. So I've kind of uh, lost a few contacts that I would have had mm. just because it's been four or five years since I've played in those regions uh, for ticketed shows. So uh, I put a, you know, why not ask? Why not say, hey, anybody got any venues that would suit and anybody want a house concert? And you know what? I've, I've already locked in since that post. I think I've locked in three house concerts um, down there in one potential venue. So we're already kind of half booked. And <laughs> if anyone's listening yeah. in that area and can help you out, how should they contact you? Yeah, so uh, just via any, any of my social media, um, private message me or, or send an email um, to my email link on my website, carlwalkner.com.au. Uh, basically anything comes to me. So <laughs> any of my socials or anywhere on my website, if you, if you message me and, uh, and we can get a conversation starting and get something locked in. Yeah. And speaking of which, you recently put out a request on social media that said, I need a bunch of people to individually or in a group film themselves in landscape mode, singing a little bit better, a little bit better, and email oh, it, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> At the end of this interview, we're going to have you talk about the song itself, but... How is the music video going? How has the response been to that? Oh yeah, really good. So, um, so we ac- I've actually changed it a little uh, in what I uh, uh, not not since that post, but um, but earlier I, I had this vision of this video clip, uh, this music video of just being a spliced version of everybody, like a hundred people singing along in selfie mode in landscape, and I'm just going to splice this thing together and of people doing cool stuff or people singing along or people being in a hanging off a cliff or being in a boat fishing, singing the song. And I just thought it'd be really cool to yeah. incorporate uh, a, cool a lot of my friends and fans and just people who want to be involved. And It's a cool idea. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And so that's still going ahead, absolutely. But um, the, fil- the video clips changed a little in that um, I've just asked people to do just that little bit better, a little bit better. So <laughs> it's we're actually editing it right now um, to be out really soon, hopefully this week or the next, next couple of weeks. Nice. Um, but... The film clip is essentially me uh, as an alias, like as a player one kind of thing in, a, in some kind of, not a video game, but, you know, just some kind of a blank slate person 
and I'm walking along and I get confronted by different monsters and I find a way to defeat them, you know, and I become a little more empowered and more a human being and that sort of stuff and everything's, you know, so it's kind of a metaphorical way of saying, you know, there's things that's going to be thrown to you, thrown at you in real day life and you've got to find, uh, you, whether you do it by yourself or you get assistance to beat that and you'll be a little bit better, a little bit better. So, um, <laughs> I like so that's kind of what the song's about too. Yeah. Well, you've not only played all over the United States, but in many very storied venues here in Nashville. The Bluebird, Third and Lindsley, The Basement, The Listening Room Cafe, Opry Mills, The Hard Rock, many more. Has there been one out of all those, or maybe one that I didn't mention that was the best one? And then also, is there someplace that you have not played, either a venue or a city, that you'd still really like to get into? I mean, there's, to that last question, there's there's a list too long for me to uh, <laughs> to answer but yeah i mean I, I there's nashville's music city you know uh for anybody who doesn't know or hasn't been here it's it's even just changed in the last few years but there's so many incredible venues here um i'm really lucky on the sense that weekly uh or daily almost uh, while i'm in town I, I play so many um gigs and a lot of them are like a covers uh originals hybrid for me which is fantastic so um, but yeah, off uh, some venues that um, that I play that are that are my favourites that you haven't mentioned uh, there as well. Acme Feed and Seed is a regular one, and Cerveza Jacks, um, Hard Rock Cafe. I mean, I, I could keep going. Whiskey Row, you know. And there, there's so many venues down here that truly that that don't really care what you play uh, as long as you get people in there and they're all drunk and they're spending money <laughs> over the bar, um, like everywhere uh, in the world. But there's venues that truly actually care about they're musicians so all is not lost you know and they they want us to play originals and they want us to play songs that we want to play and that's as long awesome. as people in the room are happy you know they're happy so that's awesome um so i get to do that on a daily basis usually and which is incredible um in terms of and i've only been to 31 states i haven't been to all of them but i feel like that's pretty good in the wow. last three years i'll see so <laughs> but i'm getting there i, I want to get i want to get around everywhere not just once that's for sure but um but venues that i really want to play um, and, yeah, you know, I'd, someone can answer that question and say, I, I want to play arena shows all over the country. But I guess m the way I should have phrased it is more kind of like the next level up kind of targets maybe that you have. Like I want to play, you know, Rockwood Hall in, in New York or I want yep. to play uh, the Mint in Los Angeles or. Yep. I mean, I, Hotel I Cafe. could just li like, I mean, I would love to play Red Rocks. <laughs> I mean, that's For I'm not sure. saying that's going to happen sure. in the next month, but maybe in the next two <laughs> <laughs> or longer I don't know uh, I've all, I mean I've, I've always wanted to play Red Rocks I, I, there's there's always that desire to play in those massive stadiums and all that sort of stuff and I mean absolutely I'm, I share that desire but but I feel like I'd like to do that a couple of times and then I feel like my real my, my soul wants to play uh, you know kind of smaller amphitheaters and, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and and when I say small I mean that's still a big crowd for me yeah, a couple of yeah. thousand people but but I feel like that kind of it's it still uh, keeps intact the intimate nature of a show uh, but it also encompasses the granditure of you know a, a lot of people yeah, there singing absolutely. along to a song or playing kazoo yeah <laughs> and then, song, and then yeah. you feel like okay I paid my dues and now it's paying off and look at Look yeah. at the, the type of crowd I'm playing to, the type of venue that I'm at. I'm very fortunate myself in that I have all this great equipment from Tascam. Right now, Carl and I are using the TM60 microphones, the DR44WL handheld recorder. I've got my Tascam headphones on. And, of course, when I'm not out on location, 
I'm back at home base with different mic, different headphones, different audio interface, but always all Tascam gear. And I encourage you, whatever form of music you're doing, and I don't mean genre, I mean beginner, intermediate, advanced, if you're a touring pro, so many people have used Tascam for so many years. They've been in business for more than 40 years. Aaron Hoagland, who you heard on episode 259 of this show, he's here at the NAM show representing Tascam and he can tell you, I can tell you, you've heard guests on this show say that they have used Tascam gear, recording solutions for all kinds of musicians. As you just heard Carl talk about some of those great live shows, those are perfect opportunities, I always say, to record your live show and put that out as a release. Check out all the solutions they have at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Carl, your first album was released to an overwhelmingly positive response, followed by being named a finalist in three categories at the 2012 and 2013 Music Oz Awards, Acoustic Singer-Songwriter, Blues and Roots, and Pop, and it led to your being invited to write with some pretty established songwriters. Oh, yeah. I was very lucky, actually, um, through some connections over here in Nashville. Actually, weirdly enough, the first co-write, legit co-write, that I ever did uh, was with a guy named Kim Tribble, and I think to date, He's probably lost count, but I feel like it's about 18 number ones among hundreds <laughs> of other billboard allocations. But, uh, uh, um, man, you know, that was, that was one of my first songwrites. And, and so it was pretty incredible. I, I absolutely love songwriting for, in any genre. You know, I feel like you shouldn't be bound by a genre when you want to write a song. Maybe as an artist for what you want to release. But, uh, but I feel like you should just let the song be the song, you know, and so that's why I love writing with people. But, yeah, I've been extremely lucky to be able to write with some incredible writers. So seemingly it was from many of those co-writes that your second album, Crayon Days, was developed. However, for that one, you traveled here to Nashville to produce and record. Just talk about how that was different and who you worked with on Crayon Days. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Crayon Days was uh, compiled with a bunch of songs uh, that I love, but I also wrote specifically for the album. So in in one particular period of time, um, over a couple of months, I gathered all of these songs and got them together, and, and that was what was released. My first EP that I ever put out was just a combination of songs f- from 15 years <laughs> beforehand that I just wrote, uh, including my first song I ever wrote, which, you know, looking back as an artist, you go, oh, you cringe, you know, but, uh, you know, they, they serve a purpose and they... They still hold their own, I believe. But in terms of where I feel like my songwriting is now, I still cringe like any artist would probably <laughs> cringe at their earlier stuff. Um, but but Crayon that first Day, the, album was, yeah. was recorded in Australia, though. Yeah, I recorded it uh, with, <laughs> with carpet underlay on my walls with one crappy <laughs> microphone and a cracked version of Ableton Live. And that's what I ended up with. And that's still out there. I, I make a point of not pulling it down, at least not yet, because there's a date stamp on it. I feel like people can you know go oh that's where he was and this is what he's doing now you know and i like the journey but so as a result that had to be a huge difference coming and recording crayon days here yeah crayon days was legit it was actually done properly (laughs) you know so i was able to come over here and uh, my my producer mike flanders at the time he recorded that uh, he helped me record that Uh, we had dustin martin as an engineer um who's now over in california and uh i mean we uh, we, we went and tracked uh, drums and bass at Ben Phillips' house, who he's a, a multi-platinum drummer, uh, record, uh, rec- session player over here in Nashville. 
So we started that, and honestly, um, it all just kind of fell into place. Um, we had the right equipment, the right tools, and Mike Flanders is no stranger, no no first rodeo for him. He's been producing for many, many years. He's from Australia, um, over here in Nashville. Um, an incredible producer and a really good ear as well. So we just kind of got everything down, and it just sort of fell into place. Um, it didn't take very long at all, I think, in the space of... I want to get it right, but I'm pretty sure it was around 11 hours. It was eight hours the first day, three hours the second day. And we'd recorded drums, bass, half of the vocals, and all the acoustic guitar parts. Wow. And wow. then it was in the following days after that, we'd finished recording everything we needed to do. And we just, you know, uh, then we, uh, uh, weirdly enough, all the way, I, I traveled from Australia all the way over here to Nashville, Tennessee, and then to mix it. We sent it all the way back over to 45 minutes from where I'm from in Australia oh my gosh. <laughs> to Jason Milhouse, uh, wow. who runs, who's got an incredible ear over there. Uh, uh, or anywhere he goes, he's got an incredible <laughs> ear. But yeah, he's, so he's based in Brisbane, Australia. He's got a beautiful Neve console um, and he summed everything and did an incredible job. And in fact, I've had some really good compliments um, specifically from that album uh, from audio engineers setting up a studio or a live rig for a festival. Uh, a few people have told me that they actually use tracks off that album to tune their PA. Wow. Uh, wow. So, I mean, that can tell you how good <laughs> the, the mix was. So, wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm very lucky, very fortunate that I was working with incredible people right from the start. There. Well, I want to transition over to something that we haven't covered yet. And if you follow where I'm going with this, Reese Fox of the Point Sunshine Coast said of Crayon Days, quote, bordering on almost too damn good, <laughs> Crayon Days sees an artist that has embraced his own musical evolution and is now just waiting for everyone else to catch up, end quote. And on your website, it says, the diverse set of sounds and moods Carl can create with just a guitar and his voice is truly remarkable. Where I'm going with this is, this reminds me of in January 2017, at the Winter Nam show, I interviewed Brian Fitzy. Listeners, this was episode 165. He I know Brian Fitzy. Yeah. yeah, listeners, he's a violinist who I would also call a loop artist. And while I haven't interviewed Ed Sheeran yet, I did see him in concert last fall, and he's also doing phenomenal things with his guitar and loop station. Listeners, if you've never seen Ed Sheeran in concert, it is just him. No band, no dancers, no backup singers. So, Carl, when you're recording your music, what is the process? And we're talking about with the loop pedal now yeah. on the loop station. Different at all from performing on stage, recording it in the studio versus the, the live performance? It is, but um, up until recently, uh, it's been wildly different. And only because uh, Crayon Days, I guess, uh, I mean, we, re we started recording that in 2008. Uh, 2012, 2013, uh, released that 2014, um, and then I think over here in the US, 2015. So that's, I mean, we're 2019 now. So that's uh, in terms of, you know, for me, it's been a long time since uh, I did Crayon Days and then uh, the, the, the other songs around that. And weirdly enough, since around the 2016 mark, probably for the last three or four years, uh, as an artist that's constantly itching to drop new and new you know new material all the time um uh, as i was talking about the rough patches and the um the different weaves that you got to do and being able to hold on stamina and all that sort of stuff you meet new people um and you follow you, you pursue a path and a lot of the time um it it might not work out or it just might not be the right fit it doesn't have to be a bad fit uh it just might not be the right one so um so coincidentally over the last few years it's been a frustrating 
battle for me because I hadn't really released anything that represented my live looping show or that transitioned, you know, um, that you can hear the transition between the live and the recording stuff. So uh, in Australia, when I was playing, my solo show was live looped. And then my, uh, my big show, my festival act was a band uh, full of session players and, and good friends of mine. So uh, it, it translated from the recordings of Crayon Days, that album, to my band live, but it didn't translate to my solo live looping set. Whereas it's not until now that I'm planning on just dropping stuff every few months uh, that's just been a screw it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep putting stuff out that represents me now so better the new song uh that i've got out it's been out for a few weeks that you'll hear at the end of this um that translates to my live looping show and so what i'm trying to do from here on out uh or at least in this phase of who knows what i'm doing next year but i mean i'm always going to try and evolve uh but what i'm trying to do now is um make sure it translates uh, when I'm play- performing live and I'm doing the live looping, I beatbox and I play on the I play beats on the guitar and I play a synth bass line or a real bass line or or whatever. Um, in the record in my uh, studio recordings, because uh, it's sort of a, a I'm calling it acoustic pop or organic pop, but I'm trying to walk that bridge or that fence between pop production, organic organic pop production, um, similar to you know Shawn Mendes, Ed Sheeran kind of but different but you know that that kind of feel but um with a heavy acoustic influence to it so i'll use parts of my voice like you know little little noises that i'll make and i'll cut them up and make them part of the beat uh which is what i do live all the time and then i'll okay. make little trills okay. like you know little noises uh and i'll make that part of the beat which is what i do live and then i've got actually i've got a kazoo uh on me and I'll incorporate that. And, and there's actually kazoo, live kazoo wow, wow. in the song better um, in my single. So um, I'm trying to, and, and a heavy acoustic guitar presence, whereas a lot of pop music, you don't hear any acoustic guitar or you don't hear any you know, uh, live instruments. Mostly it's all pre-recorded or pre-sampled stuff. Um, so I'm trying to have pop production and then a heavy influence on acoustic sure, guitar sure. and acoustic uh, organic instruments so yeah i'm trying to walk that line and i feel like that translates totally through to my live show then and you can sort of see where it goes well and it would also make sense that you're here at nam giving performances at the boss loop station booth oh yeah is this your first nam by the way first nam um and i'm absolutely blown away and pumped to be here and i'm i, I had a real fangirl moment yesterday <laughs> in the sense that you know I'm a, I'm a tech guy i'm a gear nerd as well i love pedals and guitars and all that sort of thing and and so, um, and I'm blown away that uh, Boss Pedals, one of the biggest manufacturers of all time, that I'm even on their radar to start off with, but um, that they've specifically asked me uh, and just me <laughs> to demo their brand new Loop Station, which has only been out for a few days. And I was privileged to have it a few weeks ago when there was only two of them in the country. Wow! Um, so I messed around with it, and it's yeah, it's pretty incredible. You know, it's funny to see where Loop Stations go on these days. That was the fangirl moment being like, oh my gosh, you're asking me? Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that I'm here demoing it at NAMM, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty incredible. And, man. Anybody that you're still needing to get to that you're hoping to see or, or connections that you're hoping to make through the NAMM show while you're here? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of brands in there. That, there's a lot of new technology that I want to get around and check out. But uh, I'm lucky. I, 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 make, I like making relationships with brands 
that I like, <laughs> that I use already, that I don't necessarily approach because I want something free or I want something discount or want them to show me something cool or whatever. I, I usually do the research and I find what I like and I try what I like and then I go and say, hey, I really like your stuff because I've got all of this stuff that's already yours. So um, so obviously boss pedals, they, I mean, they're... they're I mean, they've got amps, they've got pedals, microphones, cables. They've got kind of everything now. Um, so that's that's absolutely incredible, and and uh, and loop stations, uh, no exception to that. And then uh, actually, uh, the guitar brand that I strongly endorse and feel like everybody should check out is actually from Australia. That's just a bonus for me. Um, I mean, if they weren't, I'd still be buying them because they're the best. In my opinion, they're the best best acoustic guitars around. But they have a booth here, uh, Maton Guitars, M A T O N. And in my opinion, they're the best. They have the best pickups of any any guitar um, ever. You plug it into a massive PA, and sound engineers will hug you as they have done <laughs> me, uh, which is great. So they have a booth here. Um, I, I've been over and um, chilled out, and hung with those guys, and then uh, I use all clear monitors, in ear monitors, and um, and they've got a booth over here. So I've I've been able to actually go over and hang out for a change uh, nice. with these brands nice. that I endorse and and um, and absolutely love and. That will look after you, you know. I mean, they just they they they're as gear nerdy about it as you are, which is fantastic. Yeah. You can have these cool conversations, and they're happy to see that you're happy. Yeah, absolutely, listeners. We are on location at the Music City Center in Nashville for the Summer NAM Show. My guest is Carl Walkner. Visit his official website at carlwalkner.com.au. We will have a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Carl Walkner, W O C K N E R. Dot com dot au. He is very much on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Engage with him on there. There will be links online for those as well. The album Crayon Days can be purchased from his website. All of his music can be found at Amazon Music, iTunes, Streaming, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play Music. Check it all out and be sure to support him. And listeners, if you are a DIYer, an aspiring performer, a singer, a songwriter, a musician, Please take advantage of my 15 years in the business. I don't just do this podcast. I've had performer clients around the U.S. who I've helped with their career in a management, publicist, consultant capacity. Let me hear what your challenges are, what you can use some advice on. Let me evaluate some of the things you're doing or point out what you're not doing. Get on nhte.net and hit the home button. And you'll see there's an article called Video Consultations Now Available. Just use the links in there to schedule a private session with me so we can talk about what you're doing and make sure you're going in the right direction. I'd love to help you with that. Get online and book a time with me. Carl, in 2017, you put out two EPs. Life in Color includes some of the same songs as Crayon Days with just a couple new songs. What was the rationale behind that? So that was just, I was frustrated because I hadn't put anything out. (laughs) And I needed to, I wanted a new date stamp. And I had a few songs that could have gone on my Crayon Days album that didn't. So I wanted to put out an EP. uh, And it was more to get a physical CD to take Uh. around, uh, you know, here here in the US and just something kind of new to get out while I was working on the newer, newer stuff as well. So that was, uh, that's what Life in Color was. And that was an alternate title that I was going to call Crayon Days as well, Uh. ironically. So, yeah. Well, you know, I recently saw somebody posting that they were in the studio recording a Christmas album, which I thought, yeah, this is exactly the time of year when you should be in the studio recording yep. it. So it's out in plenty of time. The second EP that you released in 2017 was a Christmas EP cleverly titled Jingle Bell Walk. Yeah. W-O-C-K. In hindsight, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, I had a few titles. 
I mean, I'm I'm totally pumped that I named it Jingle Bell Walk, uh, with my last name being Walkner, and Walk is kind of a nickname that I was given uh, for a while, you know, for all my friends in Australia. But I think I thought of a better one after I'd titled that, and it's um, it's beginning to look a walk like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many there's so many names, but yeah, I did uh, I did some covers of uh, some uh, traditional holiday music. Um, and then I, I had a couple of original songs that I've written. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, for you, the Santa well. Selfie and Memories, are those yeah. are those Carl Walkner yes. originals? Yeah. Okay. Have you gotten much airplay from those? Yeah, a little. I mean, it's holiday music, so people are only going to listen to it once a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty cool. Uh, I've had some requests. Santa Selfie is a pretty funny one, so uh, yeah, I encourage checking that out any time of year. But, well, yeah. you're, you're very diverse. Your YouTube channel includes a handful of how-to videos that seem to be getting a good number of views. What gave you the idea to start doing that? Well, it wasn't so much an idea as much uh, as people kept asking me uh, with, with my live looping mashups and stuff. People kept asking me, oh, what are you using? What equipment? And how do you route it? And what are you doing? And, and so I was getting a lot of uh, questions about my equipment. So I just thought, uh, in the same location, same day that I filmed a live loop, um, I thought, oh, let me just do a quick tips and tricks on my setup and show you what. I-. And so that's kind of uh, had a, a couple hundred thousand views now, I think, hundred whatever it is. But uh, that sort of blew up. It was, I didn't, int- it's always the ones you don't expect, you know, but I was just thought I'd throw that out there for anybody who's interested and, um, and now, ironically, I've changed my pedal board a few times, but it's still <laughs> still similar, um, you know, advice on on that. I'm going to do a new one soon, but but I, it gave me the idea of you know, well, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to start this or trying to get their head around you know new, new technologies, especially loop stations, and uh, and there's so many different ones now. And we we're talking about the Boss stuff before, but the new looper that they have out, uh, I need to say, is the RC10R, and it's kind of a it's kind of a rhythm machine. It's sort of a uh, it's a band in a box, and you get to be half the band, so to speak. Whereas traditional loop stations, like what I still use, uh, which is the Boss RC three hundred, um, you have to create the rhythm. You create everything. You don't have something in there and play along to it. You you have to be the one who creates it. So that's often a brick wall for a lot of artists because you have to be right on time otherwise it, it doesn't get right whereas the new loop station that they've just launched which is a really small tidy little unit which is uh, it's designed for creatives and and soloists who who need a little uh help and who want to engage and b- bring their sound up but wow. they'll have a beat they can select any beat from hundreds wow. of hundreds of beats 280 something and then different drum kits kits and you can you essentially hit it and then you play your loop along to the beat okay. and then you can go between different patterns That's so smart. That's smart. So yeah, so there's so what I'm trying to say is loop stations have come a really long way and it's and it's difficult to get confused. There's people still going, Well, do I get the new looper or do I get the the R C ten R and it's like, Well, that's the same as do I play electric guitar or acoustic guitar? I mean they're both guitars, yeah. but one gives you wildly different yeah. uh sound to the other one, so it depends on what you want. So um so I started doing the tech talks um, to sort of bridge the gap for some people and it's um, it's really helped out and it's sort of helped my online presence as well so I try and do I'll try and do a tech talk I did one recently probably six months ago now but on in-ear monitors and how to route them and their systems because good luck trying to find that information <laughs> on YouTube so I thought I'd do one myself well you also yeah. have and this reminds me listeners if you never heard episode 268 with Arbor Season go listen to that one as it relates to the following you have some videos 
titled College Bookings, and that's something that Shane and Emily talked about a lot on episode 268. Shane has actually been hired and is doing college bookings himself while they continue to perform around the country. But is that something that you've been doing or a, or a field that you're getting into, college yeah, bookings? I, I do a lot of college shows. Um, they're... There's a usual process. There's a, a, a specific process for college shows called NACA, which is you go and you do a showcase. Good luck getting into the showcase, but if you get in, then it's fantastic because you get to showcase for all the college bookers, and then they'll book you in on specific tours and all that sort of stuff uh, that suit your schedule. So, um, I've been lucky for that, but they require. I mean, that, those on my YouTube channel. If you do happen to see the the college showcase. Um, that's specifically aimed at uh, those bookers for the, those showcase spots. So telling who I am and, and sh- basically doing a little showcase video for them. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Listeners, you know if you listen to this show regularly that I play guitar myself. I don't use pedals, but I do use a Boulder Creek guitar, B-O-U-L-D-E-R, if you've never looked it up. And if you've never heard my interview with Jeff Stram, that's episode 241. Listen to that one because he tells why Boulder Creek guitars are so innovative with their suspended bracing system. Of course, we do talk a lot about the artists that are playing Boulder Creek musical instruments, such as country star Lee Bryce, Larry Gatlin, players from Three Doors Down, Fleetwood Mac, a long, impressive list. There's been a lot of guests on this show who've talked about the Boulder Creek guitars and basses that they play, acoustic basses. I'm going to see Chris Donahue, the bass player for Emmylou Harris today. He plays Boulder Creek. Listen to the interview with Jeff. He talks about that. He also gives out some really good advice if you're trying to approach a company like Boulder Creek or like some of the ones that Carl and I are talking about to get an endorsement or a sponsorship. He gives out some good tips there from that side of the business, but he's also a regular gigging musician just like you. So bouldercreekguitars.com, if you're serious enough about your guitar playing that you want to have a guitar custom built for you, have a conversation with Jeff about it to see what all goes into that. Email me at podcast at nhte.net, and I'll connect you directly with Jeff Stramitz. Carl, while we're talking about YouTube, you have some official videos with good production quality from a few years back when you were still in Australia simple pleasures stronger did you do those yourself or did you hire those out uh i edited them myself and i hired out the uh the video foot, uh, the camera guy nicely yeah. done so and and usually it was a collaboration between it yeah most of it's out of necessity to have a budget to be able to do it or spend my money on recording or touring <laughs> sure. operations sure. so. well if you're not diverse enough i also see that some of your most popular videos are mashups last summer right here at the nam show i interviewed megan davies for episode 233 who in addition to her original music has had a lot of success with her mashup videos how do you decide what songs to put together and then how important is timing as it relates to trying to capitalize on a new release that people might be searching for on youtube you know weirdly enough I should think about those things way more than I do. Uh, but most of the time, I play a song that I'm really digging at the moment that's generally a new release. And with my mashups, I usually try and pick something new and pick something old. Uh, and it's and sometimes it's, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll do this. <laughs> and then that's basically it. But, um, but often mashups um, will just kind of organically happen at my live shows, uh, uh, especially my covers gigs here in Nashville, my covers and original shows, and I'll just... I'll start playing, start mashing something, and then I'll just go, oh, I wonder if this works, and then try it. And I go, oh, maybe I'll do that on YouTube next week. Ah, <laughs> you know, cool. So that's kind of, I mean, I've, I'd like to have a better answer for you, but yeah, it's kind of <laughs> nice and simple for me. I well, don't we, overthink it. 
We talked earlier about the video that you're making for your new single called Better. The song came out at the end of May and has already topped 38,000 listens on Spotify alone. It's going to be our closing song. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about the song Better. Cool. Well, thanks to anybody who's already listened. And thanks to anybody who puts it on repeat in their pocket and when they go to bed. Uh, because I really need your help right now <laughs> for this. Um, but yeah, Better honestly is... I mean. It, it, it's an inhale and exhale. It's an inhale, um, inhale all the good stuff, exhale all the negativity around you. I know it sounds kind of corny to say that, but we ne- really need to cleanse uh, mentally and physically sometimes. So, um, But for me, it's kind of been a frustration of not being able to get my music out as quick as I want, uh, which is a common one for musicians. Um, but when I sing in the pre-chorus, I'm tired of singing songs that I don't really feel send me anybody who wants something real. Um it doesn't have to be about songs. It's it's essentially I'm I'm tired of doing the things that I don't want to do or that I'm not that that I'm getting frustrated with. I want to sense I, I want I want to be uh, reunited with people who are interested in what's who I am, if that makes sense. So, um, so it's it's essentially it's an in, it's an internal song for me. It's a direct r- relation with uh, um, frustrated at uh, at being held up in doing the things that I want to do, but it's always going to happen. And, uh, and then, you know what, when it happens, it'll, things will be a little bit better, a little bit better. So I like it. I like yeah. it. Carl, you're doing good stuff, my friend. Thank you for making time to talk to me. Really enjoyed it. All the best to you. Absolutely. My pr- pleasure. Thanks for having me, by the way. You bet. Listeners, that'll do it for this week's episode. And now I hear this entertainment. My sincere thanks to Carl Walkner. Visit his official website at carlwalkner.com.au. And again, we will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you hit his website, Make sure you engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Instagram and Twitter, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. The album Crayon Days can be purchased from his website. All of his music can be found at Amazon Music and iTunes, streaming, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play Music. Keep up with Carl online for all things Carl Walkner music. As I mentioned earlier, if you are an indie artist, please do take advantage of my 15 years in the business. I don't just do this podcast only. Performer clients around the U.S. I've worked with for many years, helping them with their career as a manager, publicist, consultant. So let me hear what your challenges are. Let me know what you need some advice on. I'll be happy to evaluate some of the things that you're doing. I'm very adept at pointing out things that people are not doing, as strange as that sounds, to see what what you don't have. Get on nhte.net, hit the home button, and read the article called Video Consultations Now Available, and then use the links in there to schedule a private session with me so we can talk about what you're doing. Make sure you're going in the right direction. I'd love to help you out with that. Get online and book a time with me now. That'll do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. We'll send you out with another song from Carl Walkner. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Better. Everybody needs a little Staying up late, finding a way to solve the riddle Somehow make me sacrifice Two years changing everything to follow your lies Just to realize I'm done wasting my I'm done wasting mine Tired of singing songs that I don't really feel Send me anybody who wants something real 
I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better in time. I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better. I'm done wasting my. I'm done wasting my. Everybody knows a little. Things work out the way they should, but we supposed that it'll somehow turn out not so good. Spent so much of my energy on tears that I cried until I realized I'm done wasting mine. I'm done wasting mine. Tired of singing songs that I don't really feel. Something real. I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better in time. I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better. I'm done wasting my. I'm done wasting my. Instead of singing songs that I don't really feel, send me anybody who wants something real. I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better in time. I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better. I'm done wasting. I'm done wasting. I'm done wasting. I'm done wasting. I'm done wasting mine. I'm done wasting mine.